Welcome to my so-called opera life, a podcast for opera singers by opera singers, where we work to connect, inform, empower, and inspire musicians at all levels and stages of their career. Each episode, we'll explore a piece of the never-ending puzzle of the so-called opera life, humble brags and therapeutic complaints, as well as practical information about how this business works. Each piece helping you on your journey towards success, which we believe should really mean happiness. I'm Marcel. And I'm Elise. And we're two sopranos trying to live our best so-called opera lives. side hustle is a job sort of thing. I do um, teaching privately, um, teaching artists with Opera Philly, um, and I do voiceover, and uh, that's it. Thanks. Yeah. Anyway. Cool. Sure. I'm Elise with a Z. Yeah. Different. Um, slightly different, but similar. I'm also a soprano. Um, I'm from San Diego originally, California. I moved out here for school. I did my bachelor's and my master's at Curtis, and I've stuck around since then. Um, I did a two-year artist year fellowship, which was really rewarding at South Philly High, where we sort of built a music program from the ground up. That was really great. So then, so post that, that I'm just um, focusing on, you know, the hustle. Yep. And uh, I also teach um, church job. I'm a, I'm a standardized patient as well, which is really fun. Oh, that's so cool. Um, yes. So I do a, mit- a mishmash of things. And you do lyric. Um, you're a lyricist. Is that what they call it? I started libretto writing. Libretto. Yes. Yes. I've written two librettos, and I'm working on a third right now. And I'm co-writing um, for my new chamber opera collective called Alter Ego Chamber Opera, nice. which is a brand new endeavor in the city. We started our first show in September with two pieces that I wrote and sang in, but um, yeah, we'll see what the future holds for that as yeah. well. So, yeah, it's really nice. Hey, thanks. thanks for being here. All right, so I'm Marcel, um, also one of the co-hosts of my so-called opera life and another soprano, <clears throat> formerly a mezzo. Um, I moved to Philly <clears throat> seven years ago. Um, I did half of my college education at Marywood University and then life, as episode eight will tell you, turned upside down and I don't have any degrees. <laughs> At all, which is cool. It's Yay. given me a kind of a inside track on, you know, some real life experience with trying to make this career work if you don't do the quote unquote way that you're supposed to. Um, <clears throat> I, in terms of side hustling, I teach one day a week. I ha- do a lot with um, church music in the city. I do a lot of cantering and weddings and funerals and things. Um, but also self self produced a number of recitals of my own, um, and I'm actually in the new year going to be announcing the official formation of a duo, like a duo ensemble with my pianist Mark Gloria that I work with on the regular. So yeah, that's me. Very cool. I think I'm going to be shorter than everyone else. Hi, I'm Marissa Robinson. I'm also a soprano. Um, I'm the executive director of Wilmington Concert Opera. Like you, um, I actually have a bachelor's degree in chemistry from Oberlin College oh, cool. and a PhD in pharmaceutical sciences from the University of Cincinnati College of Pharmacy. 
Um, it's technically a doctor. I'm a doctor. Oh, oh shit. I'm a PhD doctor, though, not a doctor. <laughs> um, I can tell you all the things about your skin. Um, but in my day-to-day life, I'm, I'm not executive directing. I am a mom. Um, my husband's a rabbi. That takes up a lot of our collective bandwidth and time. Cool. Hello. Uh, I'm Audra. Soprano as well. Same theme. Um, I, uh, I'm living here in Philly. I used to teach uh, in Mount Laurel, New Jersey. Uh, private voice, piano as well. Um, right now to pay the bills, just working tables, um, serving before uh, moving to D.C. in February. Uh, but um, I am also my cat's uh, crazy. <laughs> Thank you, Gary. <laughs> I'm uh, one of the co-managers of the Philly chapter of Opera on Tap, and uh, I'm looking forward to <laughs> possibly taking on some responsibilities on the DC Metro chapter as well. I want to make that relocation and of course performing too. Yeah, so uh, I'm Kirsten Seekunkel. I'm co-founder and artistic director of Wilmington Concert Opera, along with Marissa. Um, I'm from Fremont, Ohio, and a nice little fact is that I used to teach Audra lessons in yes. Fremont, Ohio, because uh, we're both from there. Oh my god, really? <laughs> yeah. So when yeah. she was in high school, I was her teacher. That's um, awesome. Yeah. Yeah. It's a small world. It's a very small city. It world. is a small world. Um, it is incredible. I've kind of been all over the place. Um, I'm from Fremont, Ohio. I went to Bowling Green State University for an undergrad. Went straight into a master's and doctorate at University of Michigan. Finished very young. Taught school in Georgia and then moved to uh, Maryland to teach at a school in Pennsylvania. Taught there for four years and then freelance for a while. Um, now I work in transportation and I produce lots and lots of operas with Marissa and um, I have a church job and I'm nine months pregnant. So <laughs> I'm very busy um, and things are, and I'm, and I'm a soprano. <laughs> episode a little bit and right. talk about the different topics so the first one so me and marcel have been working on this podcast for like since march yeah and then it was like all this time doing plant basically planning, planning making we test doing. episodes we could figure out like how we want to pacing how waste, we yeah but waste wait um procrastinating <laughs> I mean not really but kind of. I mean we had to I think we had to like try try to make a couple episodes that we'll never see the later day just so that we could like convince ourselves that yes we can do this <laughs> and then mm, this summer the wolf trap like Facebook group thing came up and like we came and met and at that point I was like about to leave I think right you were about to leave the... I was about to leave we were and I was like I'm pissed <laughs> Let's record. Let's <laughs> not process our emotions at all. Let's just say this hot on the gate. So that was like hot when tips. the when yeah. the um, yeah. episode hot came tips. out, or that was when um, the group came. Somebody posted. Is everyone part of the Empowered Singers? Mm-hmm. Um, yes. The Facebook group. Um, it's just another yeah, one of the hundreds of Facebook groups. Decided that I had time for ha- 
X many years. Right. Like, I just Who has time for this? Honestly, I don't understand. I have no time for it. But I just look at them and then I just save them and then think I'm going to look at them later. It's <laughs> <laughs> good for anything. <laughs> Those are good things to do when you're sick. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You can't sing. Your head's a little foggy. And yeah. Just, like, Lay in bed and you just go through and like read. Go start fight the singer forum. Yeah. <laughs> right. I mean, when a good question comes up, I'll be like, bookmark this thread. And when it's like two o'clock in the morning and I can't sleep because I often have insomnia, I will go through and see like who posted on this. Did anyone come up with any good answers? <laughs> I'm right there with you. I'm very type A too, and there's so much insomnia reading on Facebook. It's mm-hmm. ridiculous. Yeah, right. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm like. I guess I feel a little less guilty. I'm like, it's slightly work-related. <laughs> uh, but this is the one that came out where they, someone had posted, like, look at this episode. Or look at this blog post. Because Fre- Wolf Trap From, like, puts out these that posts that were supposed to be helpful. Not to wear, right? Mm-hmm. right. right. Mm-hmm. And they changed it. and like, yeah, Which was the proper response. Like, I appreciate the fact that they, you know, apologized and made a change. But it shouldn't have happened to begin with. No. It's I can understand how it said, um, it oh, was... if you're a female, we don't want to see your girls, we don't want to see your jiggling belly when you're seeing your Consider your shapewear. Consider your shapewear. It was pretty yeah. much like, guys, if you have pants on, you're great. Yeah, I was like, yeah. I, it was really bad. It was super duper. Guys, like, you, if yeah. you're a bigger girl, you should just stay home. You know... Considerable. It was old. And is this it, a company name? Like the artistic director of female? Well, no, it's it, it was written in like two thousand nine or something, so it was very old. Yeah, it's it was a problem, I think, of sometimes you know you put pages up on your website and then they're just there and you don't. Well, they have it as they, them. They have it as part of this like but, um, yeah a, this helpful section, which I feel like a lot of like companies or like training programs try to be helpful to the young singers um and they're like try to have this like helpful area of their post but it's like the most like easiest silliest things like what to wear and that's like what I think I like was the most upset about is like can everyone just stop telling me like what to wear and start telling me how to like get a job sort of that's for the whole free the knee thing, like that wolf trap article. Oh, Didn't that oh. wasn't that the case? Oh, a couple of years ago. Yeah, possibly. A couple I, years I ago, probably be, not. Yeah, I mean, I think yeah, when it first came out. Yeah, right. several did. rounds of backlash about it before it finally. Yeah, I did the logo where they were willing to apologize. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Free the knee. No more drill tone wrap dresses. Like wear what you want to wear. Which mm-hmm. operatic really kind of. Right. Yeah. yeah. Right. Absolutely. Some of us like our dual top wrap Well, I was going to say, there's, no, there's, nothing, there's nothing wrong with them. There's absolutely nothing wrong with them. I'm the complete opposite. I do not find them comfortable, nor do I find them flattering. I do remember being at an I think audition. It's a body type. It's a body type. Totally. Thing. Yeah, totally. I was in an audition once where there were at least 20 women in the same blue dress. I mean, that's oh. the problem. Like the exact the, same blue dress. The cookie cutterness of it, the, you know, is the. I mean, is not the point of walking to an audition room. Yes, to show them how beautiful you sing, but everyone there hopefully sings beautifully, but to have them to have some out. idea of who you are as a human right. and mm-hmm. remember you as opposed to, I mean, which girl in the blue dress was she who sang who's at this waltz? Right. <laughs> I know, we're all singing the same thing. Yeah. And the other thing is, like, I was, I think, I was saying or I was thinking, I fear that even though we know that we can wear whatever we want, you know, 
you know, it's like be myself. But there's still this, because it's so competitive, especially among women in Sopranos, like, well, I know I can wear whatever I want, but this is something I can actually control. And by me, like, doing something I think someone else is going to like, that makes... It's like a backwards way of feeling good about the situation, you know? Well, but, but also on that, it's like if you... The way I look at it is that if there's a company that I am interviewing for, or a job, that judges me solely on how I present myself, which is always professional, it's always very mm-hmm. fashionable, it's never, you know... they're. A nipple's not slipping out or anything like that. But like, <laughs> there are no holes in it where there are Right. Like, I'm not wearing fishnets. There are no holes in my tights. But, like, if they're judging me on that and not how I sing, is that really a company I want to sing for to begin with? Right. Is that really a company I want to spend four to eight weeks of my life with? Mm-hmm. I've definitely you know, had auditions. Yes, if I get paid. Right. Yes, if I get paid. I was going to say, it depends, <laughs> it depends on how desperate you are for the work. Right. I mean, I've, I've been at auditions where the company failed the audition, and when I left, I was like, I don't want this job. Yeah. And, I've been like, these know. aren't my people. Yeah, I will not enjoy it, this enough okay. to make whatever it is. See, and I, I, I feel the same way because it's, it's, it's weighing your emotional and mental health against you know, whatever the fee is. Mm-hmm. And but is frankly, really I can't, there's, I, I can't put a price on that. Yeah. You know. But additionally, like, is there really a way to measure what's going on in that, in that way of judging? Like, is there really a way for us to know? Sort of trusting your gut, probably not. But I feel like my gut is rarely wrong. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> am I, am I cold in an audition? Am I uncomfortable wearing a wrap dress and tights when it's 19 degrees outside and snowing and I've schlepped my way all the way up to New York City for this job interview for giving you my time? There's a reciprocated time exchange here. And if I'm not comfortable just to please what you, to please your eye when that's not why we're here, this is not a modeling agency, then that's how I gauge it. Yeah. You know, again, I, I said this earlier, like, my my audition for Pacific Opera Project this year was probably, in my opinion, one of the best auditions I've ever sung. It was because I was comfortable. Mm-hmm. I was warm. Yeah. Right. I wore clothing that made me feel like me. Right. Yeah. You know, I'm not gonna wear. Granted, I understand that like galas, concerts, what have you, have an ex an expectation of an of a dress code. Fine, but then you wear what you would wear in those moments. Yeah. You know, there shouldn't be a prescribed no, dress agree. code for a job interview beyond just looking professional. I agree. Like, right, and beyond that, I, I, sang, I sang for Pacific Opera Project this year, too, and, like, beyond even just, like, feeling like they were a company that I could come and just wear what made me feel comfortable and yes. also represented myself as a person. Like, they actually took the time to, like, shake my hand and look me in the eye and, like, yeah. Treated me like a human being and right. not just a number walking into that audition room, which was so refreshing. It takes so little yeah. to make mm-hmm. people feel like they're actually seen as people, and it makes a huge difference. Yeah. 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 I've noticed, like, and I we're all, like, graduate graduates, older women, not old, but... Like... <laughs> <laughs> Seasoned. Okay. Seasoned, I believe, is the word. Seasoned in the field. I like that. Sage. Sage. 
aged and wizened. But I do think that this... (laughs) So soon. (laughs) But I do think that this year was the first year... And I always wear things that I feel good about. Like, and I think there's different levels of, of, of people and where they are and their comfortability and stuff. I've always worn things I'm comfortable in, but this was really, truly the first year where I was, like, very conscious of what I wore in, in a very different way. And, um, really cho- really felt like it was my choice for the first time, even though I always chose things I felt good in. It was still, like, half of someone else's choice in a way. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that comes with, with experience and like just getting older and being more and more comfortable in those situations. And those kinds of articles are the kinds of articles that make it that much harder for, for especially young women to like, feel like they can actually be themselves. You know, it's one thing to sort of know it in your head. Well, but it's also hard because I mean, I, I mean, None of us are that far away from, you know, being 20 years old and we all have like different experiences yeah. in like our own self. Well, it's true. Uh, we all have, we all have, we all have our own experiences when it comes to like figuring out who we are. And when you tell, you know, 18, 19, 20, 21, young 20 year olds, like what they should be wearing. And this is what you wear as a young opera singer interviewing for a job, blah, 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 blah. Like that, that creates really unhealthy thinking. Yeah, and it. And, I agree. And I, 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 I mean, I fell for it. I took the bait. Mm-hmm. I mean, it, that's what I'm saying. That it, this year was our first year. Yeah, it just sets up a model of like, I'm asking permission to just like exist. Yeah, and, like, and, and seek your approval instead of just like, no, I'm worth your time, and I'm my right. approval comes from within myself and. Mm-hmm. Your job does not, whether you give me a job or not, does actually does not actually have any say on my self worth. Right. Well, I think if you go into an audition, regardless of what you're wearing, regardless of what you're singing, if you do it for you and the best you can do that day, that's all you can ask for. Mm-hmm. And then you leave and you forget about it. Mm-hmm. Right. And if you can't do that, you're not going to last very long. Mm. Yeah, right. it's true. Sometimes yeah. I feel like the rep that truly represents me is not what people want to hear, though, because like. I love contemporary music, and sometimes if I use that as my starter, I feel like I don't get a strong Your phone is ringing. response. It's Matt. It's Matt. Hi. So. Yeah, so, like, I don't know. It's, it's, it's hard because we all we all obviously know that we're in the game to, to impress someone, right? We want to get a job. That's why we're there. Yeah. You know, we're not just singing in our living room. So there's always this duality of like trying to please another while trying to please yourself, and I think that that's really hard to balance. Like that's why we all fall into these traps, right? So, I know, let's do it. (laughs) (laughs) So let's introduce the title is My Simple Life Podcast Has a Baby. (laughs) That would definitely be the um the uh, title. (laughs) The arrival of Baby Diva. Yes. So let's introduce the new voice on the podcast because we're recording at the moment. Oh my gosh. Oh, so do you? you. Yes. I'm, I'm, my name is Matthew. 
Matthew was the first one that came here and actually recorded an episode that we didn't wind up releasing, but we made it into a blog because it was like years later that, not years, but months Months later, later, we had a better microphone where I'm like, we really can't release this one because we didn't know what we were doing. It was so long after. It was like too long. Anyway. It was fun regardless. It was fun. We were so happy that you were, honestly, that you were there. Yes, we appreciate you being our guinea pig. Thank you. Happy to do it. Should we do the carol? I don't know if I can wait anymore. <laughs> She's bursting with excitement. She is. Where do I put my phone? On the counter over there. Are we being paid to say? This is a pay to say. We're actually Who's drink? Can somebody need? Oh, this is That's for Oh, thank you. There you go. I have an I only sing about Jesus for money rule. Oh, that is fair. She actually does. I actually do. What is the thing? I only sing about Jesus for money because I'm not Christian. It's not Jesus. It's not Jesus. It's a great role. Go away. Okay, the first song is um, on the first day of Christmas. Hopefully it is. On the first day of my opera, like my career came to me. because it's really fucking crazy that that's still happening. On the third day of my opera, like my career gave to me, three jewel tongue dresses, two inappropriate comments to count, and a yeah publication fee. On the third day of my opera, like my career gave to me, four rejection letters, three jewel tongue dresses, two Oh, 
and she was like, why do you think there's no more great singers? And I was like, I don't know why. Tell me. <laughs> and she was like, all these young artist, pro- young artist programs, they just take you and they want you to, like, change every five seconds when you're in them. Like, each one, you get a different teacher. And each one, and, like, we go through these, like, training programs and, like, wait for something and then finally figure out what to do. And then all of a sudden you're at an age where... You should be in the training program now, but you weren't when you didn't know what you were doing. Right. Um, the system is very much set up with people who have pretty easy voices young to be marketable. And by marketable, I mean maximally palatable to a lot of people, which mm-hmm. is why it fills a lot of roles. found that the rejection letters have like changed over the years for you like in terms of like because of your age or when I started doing principal work with management you stop getting rejection letters you mm. just stop getting any notification at all mm. um is it because your management gets them or? no it, if they don't hear from them they don't you, you weren't cast. Right. Um, which also happens, ironically, in academia a lot. Um, as you're applying for jobs, you just won't hear. And then you find out, oh, so-and-so got cast or so-and-so got that job. And that's become the new normal, I think. Um, it's like ghosting, you know? I was it just is. Say, it's like the professional version of ghosting. I mean, one thing that Marissa and I do, we do things a little different with Wilmington Concert Opera, where if people want to sing for us, we just ask them to send materials. Everything's online. Mm-hmm. And we respond to every one of them saying, if we have something for you, we will tell you. We will let you know. We will contact you. And we do. And if we don't, that's because we don't have anything yet. Or whatever. But I think just that small gesture, a lot of people really appreciate knowing my stuff was received. It will actually be listened to. And then we always listen. We'll never get a thank you from us that did not involve one or prep probably like 99% of the time both of us yeah we, we both listen to everything yeah that's awesome yeah. good for you guys mm-hmm. I know um, in the theater musical theater world they generally I don't think contact you but then yeah. again there's so many people yeah. that go to them well you go calls. through callbacks right then and there and you find yeah. out if you get a callback yeah you stay or go yeah right. I, I don't mind not the not hearing I, I mean in terms of like if you're paying money, it's nice to at least get an answer. No, I, I, I <laughs> do mind them not hearing yeah. you, not listening. I don't know, I don't necessarily need to be contacted to tell me that I didn't get a part, but the way that it's set up, I think it does lend itself to doing so just because, like, you need to know to yeah. move on. And, and mm-hmm. there are things. Oh, Sorry, I think it's a kindness just to say, you know, we will contact everyone by X date. Mm-hmm. If you're not planning on actually contacting everyone, it's not that hard to say, you know, decisions will be made by right. Yeah, exactly. Next week, a month from now, but just like you, you know when you're going to have made your decisions. Just tell people, and then they'll know when to adjust their expectations. Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. If they'll know if I don't hear by December 10th, right. I probably didn't get anything. But I mean, also with if they're a company that's doing applications through Yap Tracker. You know, and having put applications on the app tracker for Upper Untapped, like, it's not hard to click the button that says, you know, we can't use you this year. You know, we're not offering you anything. And the little note that says, you know, thank you for singing for us. You know, we wish you the best 
Like that, it's, it's literally the click of a button. Well, it's a common courtesy, really, and it's kind of out of the window, because in our fast-paced world of texting, email, whatever, people are forgotten. Right. right. Well, and I think for the op- on the opera company's side, I don't think there's been, they've seen a repercussion yeah. for treating us that way mm-hmm. either. Yeah. I think it's kind of crazy, honestly, that so many singers I've talked to, we've had conversations about if they should contact the people that they auditioned for or the company about really any particular thing. Like they don't want to be bother the people like, Oh, should I ask them? But I have this another role offer, but I need to know, should I? And it's just like absurd that we feel like we can't contact the people. Right, like they're in some kind of like, you know, it's putting them on a pedestal. Yeah. Right, right, right. It's totally crazy. Fortress of solitude. Don't talk to the opera company because they might blacklist you for talking to them. Yeah. Very real though. No, and it's true. I mean I've had to I've had to reach out to companies before because I've had other offers, you know. To say, yeah. Did I get this it? Is, right. <laughs> this know? is the thing, yeah. I had to do that with a musical theater company from this area. I won't mention which one, but like I had to be like, you know, what are the stipulations of this offer? What is the price? I have this other potential offer and like just kind of like comparing the two and being like, so based on this, like I want you to know, you know, what boat I'm in and and I got a very brief sort of upset Kurt response. And so that was, you know, that that was the result of me being transparent. Mm-hmm, yeah. So through that, you learn, you know, not to show all your cards, right? Yeah, right. That's fascinating. Because as, uh, as a, an administrator, you would think that if someone has other offers, that means that they have things going on. That means other people want to work with them. That's what they're I thought. What's the big deal? You know? Just tell them, like, I know, or yes, or like, maybe. Sorry, we don't know. Right, well, mm-hmm. and quite frankly, <laughs> I mean, so <laughs> I've, I've talked to another singer in the past couple of weeks who who had this situation <laughs> where he had an offer with one offer company, and then um, an, another bigger, more affluent company offered him a substantial piece of work that would have conflicted with this smaller job. Um, you know, and he was like, I want to honor the audition that I sang. But they were also just like, I can't, this could really forward my career. Mm-hmm. And it ended up like the other, the smaller company gave him a hard time until he disclosed to them who his other offer was from, wow. which quite frankly is none of their business. Yeah, yeah. It's, not, it's, not, it's none yeah. of their business. That's where that, that professionalism versus like, you know, if you say, look, I've had, I've had another offer. You didn't even need to say that. Well, um, I mean, any in this world nowadays where we're trying to be supportive of each other, regardless of voice type or, mm-hmm. or you know, where we are in our careers, if you don't want someone to succeed, why are you still in this field? You know, mm-hmm. whether you're an artistic director or a casting agent or, or management or whatever, you should want people to be performing opera. You should want mm-hmm. to be bringing that to the masses, yeah. however that however works. That is, and if that means someone got a better paying gig or a more lucrative Literally. something to bring their name to the forefront, we should want that. Yeah. Right. Now, what do you guys think about these application fees? Honestly, like, I mean, because I do want I do want to know what other people think, and Marcel and I have talked about. I think we have different opinions. Um, for example, I got who did anyone audition for Music Academy of the West? I have, but not recently. I applied. <laughs> I applied all these things, and it's it's yeah, it's it has it doesn't matter. But I auditioned for them, and last year, and this year, I wasn't going to audition for them for various reasons, and um. Then, like, shortly before their deadline, oh, I don't remember how much, emailed me 
I would love for you to audition. Like, I hope you are considering it. And, you know, you feel good about that. Yeah. Sure. I send in my application. Well, they extended the deadline. Yeah, pe- this extending the deadline. I would like to talk about that. And then I talked to my friend, and she's like, oh, my God, I got that email, too. Oh, yeah. Did you see the Facebook group post? Mm. And I said, no. And she said, yeah, I was pissed. Somebody posted on the Facebook group for whatever reason. I didn't wind up reading the post. And it wound up coming out that pe- many people had gotten this letter. Now, the thing is, that doesn't mean necessarily anything, right? They could still have sent it out to the to a number of people that were in this upper tier, whatever you want to say, right? Marcel, I'm talk, I'm going to speak for you just briefly, but sure. is immediately when I told you this, you were like, they were fishing. Obviously, they were fishing. That they ran, uh, they ran last year's applicants versus who had applied for this year, and when they weren't full up, they sent that to everyone. On that yeah, list. and and I and and I did not get a live audition after doing that. That was. And it's not a cheap. It's not like a twenty dollars. Sixty five dollars. Yeah. Um. Yeah. And I cannot that believe that they did that. I just cannot believe. I just cannot believe that. Right, well, and then there's these competitions that hide fees, like the one, the NYOPs or whatever. Oh, right, yeah, right, right. Yeah. I mean, and it's just like this year they tried to brand it as a competition, and they're like, oh, the application is what seventy five dollars or whatever. But then if you get selected to actually sing in the competition, you have to pay another three hundred dollars to sing. Which is ridiculous. And then there were people that were that I know of that got denied an audition initially. And then I guess because people dropped out at the last minute, they were like, oh, um, we've had a bunch of cancellations and we, we've actually decided we want to hear you sing. But you still have to pay That's us the so $300. Crazy. To so, so similar. That. So I fell to the fishing thing. This was happening. Did you was apply in or did you? I received an email. Last year. Did you apply? Sorry, she got the email too. Oh, you I got it. Oh, to see if that I was the email because I remember. Oh, I see. It. Got it. And got did it. you apply? I auditioned last year. No, I didn't because I actually wrote. Okay, so full disclosure, right? Like low income at the moment. I wrote to them and I said, "This is the situation. I'd love to apply, but this, you know, this is my financial situation." Yeah. yeah. At the moment, like because I noticed that on um, it was like get accepted the app. Mm-hmm. Like, oh they have yeah. Certain they have certain um, options for where if you prove, like, your low income or whatever, they, like, waive the fee. Yeah. Oh. So I was like, oh, can I please, like, show you Where my current, you know, proof or whatever? Yeah. And they said, unfortunately, this company doesn't allow that. Like, you Ugh. have to go through them personally. Gross. And so, yeah, so I was like, that's very interesting. So, no, I didn't apply because I was like, I just, yeah, well, I just can't. can't. Yeah. Smart. Um, so, so my first experience with the whole application fee fishing was back in 2012. Uh, my, it was my first semester of grad school, and I applied for the Pittsburgh Festival. And they were like, we can't grant you an audition for the festival, but we would love to hear you in our competition. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so they were like, please click which on cost the link. Like $30, right? Which cost like $30, right? Please click on the link. More and then more I'm like, oh, sweet, great. Like, I get that. Like, you know, maybe they just didn't hear me for, you know, my voice is a role to fill, whatever. So competition's easy. So I clicked and they were like, another $40. And I'm like, all right, well, I guess I'll bite. And I did it. And I didn't get a spot in competition either. Oh, I think we've all been there. It's, it's so, I know we're all in agreement in that it's, it's become a racket, but what I have noticed, especially this year, I've noticed this 
increasing throughout the past few years, but especially this year I noticed because I, I laid very stringent guidelines for myself in as far as who I applied for. Mm -hmm. And there were certain guidelines that the company needed to meet in order for me to give them my hard-earned money to apply for them. They had to announce the season, first and foremost, and they absolutely could not list a laundry list of shows they were considering mm -hmm. for their for their season. And like for anyone who's listening or might be listening who doesn't hasn't seen this, what some companies will companies will do now is they'll say, here's a list of 15 shows that we're considering on doing this mm -hmm. year. To put that into context, 15 shows is three seasons worth of shows. So what are you saying? That why do you think they're doing that? So they can get the most application pieces yes. they really? can. Because it yes. covers more Fox. Right. Does I everyone really in the room think that? Yes. yes. I, think I don't. I think it's possible that they want to hear who they have before they cast the shows. Right. I do believe that, for sure. So that's so valid. So that's fair. You can just pick shows and fill casts. I know. I do believe that, too. However, however, I personally feel, as my own owner and runner of this my business, that's a terrible way to run a business. Second of all, if we are expected, as singers to learn the languages, to be able to act, do all of the things that go into being able to just sing, just phonate, and then be professional and do all these things and meet all of these expectations, why on earth are we not holding these companies accountable for just being able to meet us there and just have a season? And in as far as like the not announcing a season or having, you know, a dozen and a half shows that tells me that they don't know what their budget's going to be. And if I am hired, am I going to get paid? Mm. So that doesn't put a whole lot of weight in a company that does that for me, personally. I mean, I think the crux of this entire problem, the reason why we're all sitting here as, you know, Sopranos and one fair one. Totally fair. But I mean, <laughs> but, um, the crux of the issue is, like, the opera industry in this country. Like, that's really what I see as the root of the problem. And I think that these application fees are absolutely being charged as ways to fund their seasons. You know, these companies are burning, clearly. Um, and I think that it's the entire American opera industry, business. So so I've been trying to just wrap my head around, like, what can I do as a single, you know, artist slash person who's trying to do some creative things in the business right. in order to help ensure that it is around and that it can continue having jobs for artists. Because... The musical theater, yeah. when you when you go to the VA, you know, it's like, yeah, you you know, if, if you're in union, you get an appointment. But if you're not, you crash, but you don't pay. They supply the room, right. they yeah. supply the pianist. And I get it. It's like, fr I mean, but frequently these companies are in New York. I mean, particularly if it's a Broadway EPA, but also frequently they're also traveling from out of town. So it's like, yeah, mm -hmm. where do they get their money to pay for their pianist in their room? They have it in their budget. Yeah. So, so, so the theater world is is doing better in this way, at least mm -hmm. a little bit. What the theater world and has is a really strong union for their performers. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> the world do. does not have a strong union. And I've said this on the podcast before, and I will continue to say it. We need to organize a union. And, like, unfortunately... What did you guys think of A Voice for Change, that platform? Are you guys familiar with this? Yeah. The Iron Elections? It came about. So, yeah, it was it was a new initiative, and, and not all the main people who were headlining that were elected, but I thought what they had to say was 
was really great. And one of the topics they were addressing was application fees. Mm. Um, and there was there was even like a petition that was going around last I year. Know. I don't know if you guys saw this yeah, petition written by some mysterious folks. I don't know, but I thought that the point of it was really helpful. That something uh, like that was was coming out, and singers were banding together to say, yeah. "Hey, this isn't necessarily fair." But we, we don't, don't know what happened with that. You know, I think it just sort of fizzled out. But I wish that it didn't, because it's, it was a really good point. Right. But I, know, I, I think we have I, collectively we have no power. Yes, yeah, I we, agree. We could also collectively we should. Right, I know. I agree. Like, yeah. Right now we can sign as many petitions as we want, but Agma's not going to help us. They should though. You know, like, and Agma, Agma's, Agma's only going to help. The people working at the houses with their AGMA signatories. Yeah. Like, I don't even have an AGMA membership. He's like, I'm not going to pay $1,000 in dues. I haven't yet worked in an AGMA house. Yeah. And and until I do, even if I have a membership, if I work in a non-AGMA house and there's some kind of sexual harassment or AGMA's not going to help me. Really? Because well, I'm not in a signatory house. Oh, oh, I see what you're saying. I see what you're saying. No, I'm not in a signatory But they house. should because, no, you know, like, sorry not to interrupt you, but no, like, no. what you're saying is really, it's really firing me up. Oh, I agree. I agree with you. Because they, their whole you know, game should be to ensure the success in the future of this industry. And every opera company, whether it's, you know, Agma or not, is a part of that, is a part of that mission, that business. And and so I don't know if anyone from Agma is going to hear this podcast, right. but hopefully they take that into consideration right. because it's extremely important. Right. And if anyone is particularly poised right now to like help young artists, it, it's an organization like Opera America even, and instead they take our $75 for what? So they can give us discounted practice rooms and they can send us a newsletter. Well, the thing is, I mean, the opera opera audiences are dying and, and the opera companies, this is my opinion, the opera companies are for especially places like young artist programs, WNO and Chautauqua and, and any young artist program that has been thriving for years, like especially ones I feel like that come, that don't have to sustain a full year, all year round. I think they thrive a lot on donors and stuff, and but they are not doing great okay and they have this stream of income knocking at the door called singers it doesn't matter what you can or can't do and what's ethical or not it matters what singers are willing to do and where money is coming from and that's like that's the crux of it all because I've I've been I've talked to people and they've just they don't have the time to even realize my cat's eating hummus now. He's <laughs> <laughs> never done that. Excuse me, I don't like that. <laughs> they don't have the time no, to even. Baby, sorry. Um, they don't even have the time with the amount of applicants and everything that they're going through with the singers to even realize like how shitty it is. It, I disagree. And like crazy. I absolutely disagree because with the number of singers that are coming and saying, "Here are my forty dollars. How can you not?" see what that's bringing in. I don't think they I don't think see they it. I think they see it and they're like, thank you. I will take that money and yeah. I will use it for the growth right. of this company I because mean, I didn't my know. donors are dying and here's money in my face. Right. I would love to see the data on how much of a budget that Right. So, so, so I'll say this. Summer pay to sing things. It's a huge... Well, yeah, for pay to sing, of course. Well, I'll say, I'll say this. You know, thing. You know mm-hmm. I've coached with somebody who runs a fairly prominent young artist program who's very transparent about their numbers. And I think they're still charging a $35 application fee. When I had spoken with this person three years ago, they had received almost a thousand applications for a season wherein they had between 13 and 20 slots total. 750 of those applications were from Sopranos. 
Um, however, at $35 a pop, that's $35,000. If you, if you remove the $5 fee that Yap Tracker charges them to host an, a, a paid application through their website, that's $30,000 that they've made off of young artists. And it wasn't until she said this to me and then my, my math brain went and went, uh, excuse me, you're making $30,000 a year off of your young artist. This is how you're funding your audition tour. That's like the, that's like the best business. This is how you're your fees for the young artist. I don't make that much in a year. Right, and how long are these people, you know, listening to your recordings, looking at your materials? If they're listening, are they? Are they? Are they? That's, are they what is that? Does that equate to? I mean, well over a hundred thousand dollars an hour as their salary, if they're a minute. Or right. I mean, the, many of these companies are paying for an entire administrator before they take in an application fees. There's no question. Right. So I mean, so it needs to stop. Like that's the bottom line. Well, well, there needs to be a transition into something that's more sustainable. I mean, for them and for us, for growing up, yeah, I just, yeah. I mean that across the board. I just, and I just don't know if there's going to be singers that will stop. I think that's no. going to be well, I think, I think until, until, until and it's not real until we have until we have a union that's like equity, mm-hmm. you they, know, that's going to have more clout in terms of kind of policing everybody yeah. and not just if they did it the right way. Signatories, right. If they charged us an appropriate amount, I, like of course I don't mind paying for an incompetence. Right, if I know. But we right. shouldn't have to when we think about what equity does. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. You know, like, how are they able to do it and we're not? But also we get the luxury of not having to wait well, around. Well, they get paid we a lot more. They do get appointments though. If they're equity. People are coming to their shows. Right. So, well, and you know, there's there's something to be said about that too. In this way of in this idea of becoming more sustainable as a business model, in that I I also think this plays into just sort of this stereotypical opera culture and mm-hmm. how that you know if my guess is that well actually we all dabble in other genres other than opera. And if you have, there, I think, in my opinion, there needs to be significantly more open-mindedness. If you have a lyric soprano auditioning for Mimi, why can't she sing the lead of your crossover musical theater piece that you're, like, why, why the pigeonholing? Why is there such a severe lack of education on the upper ends of the administration for some of these companies mm-hmm. when we have to show up? And, like, to me, I view that as marketability. Mm-hmm. I don't, and I don't believe that should be a deterrent. It kills me that there are, that there are some artistic directors out there that say, oh, well, you can sing this rep, but you can also bell? What are you, what are you doing? Like, uh, I'm trying to work. Yeah. That's what I'm trying to do. Right. It's not a detriment. That's actually a positive in my Thank favor. I know. Yeah. But there needs to be a complete shift in just the overall mindset of a lot of companies in this country in like, just because a singer has multiple vocal skill sets doesn't mean any of them are going to suffer because they're hired for a Marcello or whatever. It's like, if you have a soprano who can belt, but you hired her for a Mimi, guess what? Her belting's none of your business. Mm -hmm. It's not what you hired her to do. So let her do what you hired her to do.
Maybe, you know? maybe there ought to be a new union that just encompasses singing actors. Because from the Agnes side, we have we have ballerinas and we have mm. you know opera That's singers. what I was thinking before. And from actors' say. equity, yeah. Exactly. No, I think really not think the it needs to honestly. it needs to be a new it's union. Not. But I think ultimately, what in order to get it organized, I think so much the people of our age, we have too much skin in the game, and we're trying to like make our careers work. Really, what we need to do is find the older opera singers who have enough clout. Like they're the ones who have to do do this work mm. for the next generation. You know, and I'm like, if it means that it takes until mm. I'm 55 and I'm, you know, coming to the sunset of my career, hopefully not. But like, that means, okay, this is, this is what I do. I'm going to be Beverly Sills. And in, when I'm done singing, I'm going to now be an opera administrator. I'm going to be the person who gets the union going. But I would fucking sure like to see this happen well before I'm 50. Seriously. I'm hoping that two things, hope, I think hopefully two things happen. Number one, people start talking about it more and... I don't think that anyone can, I, I mean, it's completely unrealistic to me that everyone would just stop paying for application fees, like, in a million years, that Those would never happen. Work. They're not going to do it. They want their They're life. Do it they want the life that they dreamed of. Right. But, so, so, but, but being more particular, like you were talking about Audra, and hopefully every, I think everyone has learned in this room, and hopefully everyone continues to learn, like, what's right for them at the moment for whatever reason that may be. So number one, being more selected and not feeling like you have to audition for everything under the sun. And number two, starting to feel like you have the ability to move off the track in whatever way that means for you um, to make it sustainable. Like I think too many people just completely leave opera because they just couldn't make it work in the way they thought they wanted to. And I think everybody in this room has figured out that it's not or it has evolved the way they thought it was going to be, has evolved and has continued to evolve. And because you're smart and you're passionate, you've been able to change your course and you've been able to continue to move in a forward direction, albeit maybe sideways at times. And people, too many people think if they don't go on this path and they just, they just reach that age, you know, and that, and then they just turn around and they're like, well, I guess I'm going to have a, you know, family and get an office job and, or do something that feels good and, and like it wasn't what they wanted. And I think that the career will continue if you feel that you can help us sustain it in whatever way. Does that yeah. make sense? Yeah. I think, I think what I, how I interpret that is that there is no, there should be no prescribed timeline. There is no timeline. Yeah. Like everybody, as there is the same with a career blueprint. There's no such thing as none of us have the same blueprint mm -mm, right. and, and our blueprints are not concrete. They will always be changing yeah. because life and because we're humans mm -hmm. and we all have desires and goals and whatnot. And those outside. change. And those change as we get older. Right. And so I think, you know, from that, I think like, oh, people think they have to be singing at the Met by the time that they're 30 in order to have a successful career. Success is not defined the same way by every single person. And, you know, some one person singing at the Met by the time that they're 30 may be the worst thing in their life. Mm -hmm. It may make them so unhappy, uh -huh. but it may be somebody's, like, dream job. And I, I think there's a lack of, you know, teaching that, too. Yeah. And, I mean, when, when yeah. I was studying with Kirsten... And she was teaching me to say to mommy. She's petting me. <laughs> <laughs> and 
and she was telling me I was a soprano, and I said, no, I'm a mezzo, and here I am, a soprano. I very naively thought that I was going to be singing at the Met by the time I am my age now. I like, if I had known the things that I know now, then, oh, right. I would have changed. Look, yeah. And I the Met is, the Met is like, well, and I think that's why we have this podcast. Because like, we can sit around and complain about this all day long. But like enough people are not talking about this that young singers in your situation and in my when my shoes when I was just starting out like mm-hmm. I had no idea and I was like oh thirty dollars for an application fee feels reasonable yeah. not thinking about the fact why well, I paid forty dollars every week for a voice lesson at the time and now yeah. more why not you know? invest that forty dollars directly into yourself well like where you're going to see the ROI right because you are working at it every single day well we have to also <laughs> redefine what I think what success means to singers because like singing at the Met is like something that we all we all say like it's a cliche it's a cliche it's so super cliche because I know a lot of singers now and I look at at older singers now and I I think about the track of my career and I think about what I actually want it to look like because there are things like yap applications that I don't have a lot of control over and there are things like creating my own opportunities that I do have control over and there is a stigma and like a, a, there is a stigma, I guess, just around creating your own opportunities. Right. I don't think it's like it used to be, though. I it's not like it used to be, be that if you produced your own recital, opera, oh, well, whatever, it was, oh, well, you can't get someone else to do it. No right. one's casting you. 90% of what I get is through networking. Yeah. 90%, maybe even higher. Mm-hmm. And it's because someone's like working with me in the past or and someone's that's recommended not untrue me. true for anyone. And it's like yeah. that, not just for opera, not just for singing, across the board yeah. in oh, any yeah. industry. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. And it's it's silly to, to look feel like that's beneath you when you're like literally creating work for yourself. Yeah. So. And, and when the industry is kind of turning itself on its head right now. Mm-hmm. You know, this generation of singers and entrepreneurs and creators is what is fueling the oh, new yeah. generation of singers. Mm-hmm. And so if we don't do it, like, you know, we have to we have to band together. We can't look at others and say, oh, you know, you're creating your own vanity company, blah, blah, blah. We have to look at them and say, that's awesome. Good for you. That's so great. You're you're audience. Audience. That's all that matters. <laughs> and you're creating audiences and like, yeah, yeah exactly. And to, uh, Kirsten just said something about you know, different locations and that sort of brought me back to something else I'd been thinking about in as far as like the stipulations that I, the guidelines that I gave myself includes like budgeting and traveling to New York and all this. Fewer mm-hmm. companies are going to New York City now because they can't mm-hmm. afford it. And mm-hmm. so they're using more artists that are within their region. Which I think is good. Which mm-hmm. is good, but I received, this would have been three-and-a-half-ish, somewhere three-and-a-half, four years ago, uh, I had a company say, we really want to give you an audition, but we can't offer you one in New York. Will you come out to us? I've done that. I've done that a number of times. And, you know, at the time, I had just moved to Philly. I, I barely had, like, you know, two nickels to rub together, and I was like, sure. I'll come out to you. It's just a $300 plane ticket. That's fine. In no other industry anywhere do they ask you to fly out to them for a job interview on your own dime. Right. That doesn't exist. I had an A-house audition like that. Hmm. A-house <laughs> international audition. 
Where they I made was... you pay to fly out to them? Wow. Hotel, everything. Yeah. Oh. I had a I knew a person actually that I met from the Savoy company that said, told me basically that he was sick and tired of that bullshit. So he became oh, a lawyer. And he was singing at Chicago Lyric and all yeah. these places and he was like, I was fucking done with that the shit. Director. The the singer. But I wanted a singer that's a boy. Yeah. And he was just pissed. And he was like, I was done with it. (laughs) Yeah. So, I mean, that's just another thing to keep an eye out for. It's just like, how many voice lessons could I have bought with 300 some odd dollars? Right, right. I've never ever had that happen to me, but I know people, like, (gasps) I feel like my litmus for myself, if that ever happened, would be like, okay, conceivably, how much would I make on this contract? I don't know what I would Yeah, do. and granted, this was, this was <laughs> for a nine-month contract, right. so I would have made that back easily, right. and the audition went very well. I have a good audition report with this company, meaning that whenever I apply, they usually will hear me. It's but, still, but, but it's the, it's the principle of the matter. Right, of course. Okay, let's do the next song. What is the song? Who knows, let it snow. Do, 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 yeah, that's yeah, fine. Yeah. Okay. This is just one. This was super first. short. Yep. Yeah. Super short. Ready? Oh. Uh, don't sing "Let It Snow." Sing "Oh." <laughs> 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 I was like, wait, I'm not sure how that works. <laughs> oh, the opera life then is frightful, but the opera so delightful, even though the audience don't know. organizations too often like businesses you're not gonna get a return on investment from the arts like you do from a company that makes widgets like it just doesn't operate the same way what do you mean arts education or arts the arts period so what do you mean about musical theater music education oh okay that's what i just said like the impetus is on the companies now to do the they have to do the education so they continue to have an audience well some come some Musical theater is thriving. Well, yeah, I think part of that is because they're taking so much from from main 
mainstream media and just yeah. turning, I think it, off, just turning it into a live show. I also think Nothing that off, original, but Jukebox, that's another story. Well, Jukebox musicals, yeah. All, off, not all. I mean, you just want to something else. Yeah, I think they're both. Right? Opera has to decide if they're art or they're entertainment. Right. Yeah. And we don't know. We think we're both, and right now we're neither. So I mean, there's. I think there's factions. There has to be factions. You know, like there's. There's always going to be high art that is is trying to be art, and I think that there's probably an argument to be made that that opera made at that at that level with that kind of you know goal in mind is going to always be elitist in some way, for better or for worse. That's kind of always how the avant garde in whatever generation has operated, you know, and so that might exclude people like us. But then there has to be the companies that are willing to just be entertainment. Yeah, I think it has to be both. And if you look at if you look at musical theater, if you look at TV and and even museums and and art, opera is <laughs> down there at the bottom. And compared to all of those forms, which are art and entertainment, you know, and, and, and well, there's I, preconceived notions that opera is elitist, even if it isn't, and that's mm-hmm. the bigger problem. Because people, you say, oh, what do you do? I sing opera. Oh, mm-hmm. yeah, that's a response. No, it's excited about. Yeah, and if they if they are, they're like, oh, that's different. Mm-hmm. Well, you're the first opera. I do right. think though that I love Phantom of the Opera. I mean, it's one of those it's responses. Right. It's but I will oh, say that I think younger, as we go down to the to newer to generations, millennials and da- and further, they do get intrigued by it, and we have oh, that's a ability to use yeah, that. Absolutely, you have, to, you have to hit people young for sure. But you have oh, to make yes. it also, I think, connect. The the key is connecting it to people and not just what the idea of they want opera to be you have to really connect with your audience and if you don't care what your audience thinks your audience doesn't care about you yeah, if you're not mm-hmm. you will not connect with your audience if you don't if you don't care i know too many people are, again going Fair back people, to the, the sales are going down but i'm not going to look at that because money's over here mm-hmm. singers mm-hmm. are giving me money mm-hmm. so i can keep doing what i'm doing and not make those Right, and just ignore it because I'm still, I'm still living, I'm still going, I'm still moving. I move. It's that's what a business is. Not a sustainable one. There's too many old white men running it. That's the real issue. That's the real issue. Okay, let's do the last song. Wait, does that this one? I wasn't sure where we are. What is it? I'm sorry. It's beginning to let go. Yeah. If Marissa knows it, we're good. Marissa knows all the Marissa's carols in the book. Christmas carol. <laughs> okay, good, good, good. There are a lot of carols in that book. I hope I did this right. I hope I did this right. Yeah, I think I did. I think I did. Okay. Ready? It's beginning to look a lot like Christmas. Everywhere you go. Take a look at the singer you know. They'll be the ones to show Some tired voices and thy bags to show It's beginning to look a lot like Christmas Soon this too will pass And the prettiest sight to see Is the bed in which you'll be When you saw your last mass A pair of character shoes and a scarf you can use
Shameless promotion. Let's do that. I'm gonna go first, I guess, even though I have nothing. Um, how did your group use go? Oh, I just had a group. She's such a good friend. <laughs> 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 uh, <laughs> I did recently a group use, um, which is like a, a company. I I've been referring it to it as the Airbnb for music. Music. <laughs> um, classic. <laughs> Classical music. It's it's um it's actually like musicians home house concerts, but it's it's very like much classical music. It has to be classical music, and um, they have it in Philly, but they have it in other cities too. And you want an app and connect with a host. And so I just had one with um a violinist, and it was really good. Take the rep out for an airing. It was really fun. It really actually it was great to to work with someone. Um, He's that just a violinist duet, not something I do very often, and and being able to work up rep like and think about it in a way that's like really again for the audience, what the audience will like, and how we can use this to create something more sustainable that will make you know even though this one maybe wasn't like the most amount of money, but it's a concert we can take around. So I'm excited about that. That's awesome! Yay! And not a lot of singers are on it. Do you get to like practice before with them or to just show up? And the group news is you create your ensemble separately and you find hosts. So you, okay. you musicians connect yes. with hosts. The, the re- main reason I did it with the violinist is because many of the homes, especially in cities, don't have pianos. Mm-hmm. Um, but singers, there's not many singers on there. In fact, mm-hmm. many of the people in the audience that have gone to group news before said like, oh, we've never heard a singer. I yeah, yeah, it's a great, it's a great gig, um, and you can do whatever rep you want. Okay, I okay, yeah, for it. So I have been for the past several months preparing my very first uh, Leonard Lanyas competition submission, and it is by far the most challenging thing I've ever done because it spans over such a wide range of genres and therefore like time periods and styles. Two weeks, almost two weeks ago, I I did like, I recorded like my first run through and I felt that it would be in my best interest to do my video submission. The video submission is the first round essentially mm-hmm. to mirror exactly what I would do in the finals. So dramatically transitioning from one character into another, like seamlessly, nonstop for 15 minutes. Mm -hmm. And so I did that for the first run through two weeks ago with my pianist. And uh, it was real good. Yeah. It was real good. Uh, So I'm really proud of myself. I'm just really proud of myself. The proud feeling? Is like not easy to come by. I and it's, it's not even, it's, you know, it's like not even like, oh my god, I'm the best. I'm not no, the best. It's but it's the fact that like I look at the rep that I chose and how not only like stylistically and vocally dynamic and 
family dynamic and to transition from one directly into the other to go from super high to super low in 15 minutes that's really fucking hard to do mm-hmm. I mean just for anybody oh. and to be able to do that and also sing is yeah. and to control it all is really empowering Okay, bye. Bye. Yay! Okay. <laughs> um, I guess I'll do a humble brag. All right, go for it. I won my first ever <gasps> drag contest. I know. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. We say it that again because we might have cheered on top of it. I don't think I was talking. <laughs> um, so yeah, I also do, I I do drag. That's like my other life. Um, and I won my first ever competition. Which was really cool. I, I did a parody of Don't Cry for Me Argentina and it was all about chlamydia. <laughs> it was, I love it. It was a blast. I you made all this? the words? Huh? Where was this? Um, it was at Laitage. It was uh, yes. average drag night. I mean, yes. you know, it's a little little thing, but it's you know, it's still fun to win. Got so a good. Box That's and awesome. Spot in there, it's amazing. Uh, in their pageant later. This year, so. yeah. Congratulations. Thank you. Thank Thank you. Yes, follow me on Facebook at Belena Conto. Belena Conto, shameless promotion. Thank you. Very <laughs> well. <laughs> I shameless humble brag. Yes. Moment in concert opera. Yes. Because, um, That's what I was going to do for you if you did. Feedback <laughs> from, from one of our singers who auditioned for a group out of town, and um, she works in Atlanta a lot. I guess Atlanta is starting a concert opera company, and they said to her, ooh, you work with Wilmington Concert Opera. We want to do what they're doing, because it looks so great on their social media. Shout out to Kirsten, who does their social media. Tell us everything about what they do. To which I, of course, shamelessly responded, I am available to consult. (laughs) Um, Yes. I was available for hire in general. (laughs) That's fine. That's amazing. Yeah. That is amazing. Yeah. Yes. We need more companies like yours. It's not easy to do. And congrats on, you said, I think you said, correct me if I'm wrong, that you guys have like moved into a position where you can pay your singers. We are paying singers. singers. Awesome. Yeah. We're paying our singers for our the, the things that we produce. If we're hired, we will do what we can. But the ones we produce, they're also free and open to the public. Every Everything we do. So they're not ticketed. We want people to be able to come bring their kids. And, be accessible. And be accessible. Yeah. Yeah, so have you guys done a lot of grant writing, or Marissa I does so much grant writing? Oh That's what she does all day, Someday, every day. I'm going to have enough money to pay someone else to write the grants, and I will be <laughs> the executive director and the development person. But right now, I'm the executive director. Yeah. That's amazing. Person. Good for you. Yeah, she she works very. very and in upcoming podcast, we'll have Marissa. Uh, <laughs> I mean, for real, list of people for next season. How many years has it? Is it two? This is our. Um, Maya Mira Johnson. It's a really cool piece. Um, 
the other thing I wanted to announce was with Alter Ego, I'm working on a libretto against gun violence wow. to be performed sometime in the spring. We feel like it's a really important issue. Mm-hmm. Obviously, I think probably most people do. So we wanted to address it through opera. Um, trying to just not feel like overwhelmed or anxious about it and trying to just take it like one step at a time at this point. Yeah. But I, I am excited about it. So um, yeah, that's all I have to share. Yeah. I mean, I had a recording success since like kind of I think it was this year. I don't, I didn't do a long, a long series recording with the Lana Lenya stuff, but I have always struggled to make recordings that I felt really proud of, you know, and like would get into the into the hall with the pianist and just like wouldn't sing well and would like get so anxious about the fact that it was on film and that like my the mistakes are now on record, you know, just never felt proud about the stuff I would. And they're putting out for my auditions anyway, because I would, like, have to use them. Mm-hmm. Um, and this year, I have Buddy this year. Shout out to We did our recording together. Oh, so it was, like, really nice to tag team with someone. You could get a break. Oh, and then so just someone like, to yeah. sing to. It was, and to oh be like, gosh. I feel like you did this wrongly in this one. Right, be supportive. And yeah. not just focus on your own mistakes. Yeah. Super that's helpful. So, super good. Yeah. so good. Super helpful. Great idea. Um, I feel like that's a hack just needs to go out there and like, mm-hmm. on your Instagram just like, oh, wow. Yes. Maybe we want to have him on a lot of Lenya like actual recording. Yeah, you know, <laughs> well, and it helps because then we weren't like running to the stage to press the go button because we could do it for each other. So just like oh, yeah. on that, I mean like even if I can't get another singer to do it with me, I'm always going to try to find someone to just like press start and stop and, you know, say like, oh, hey, the picture frame, the framing's not right. Let me adjust that sure. or, mm-hmm. you know. Your lipstick is fading. <laughs> yeah, you see your body in the room. Yes. No, okay. Split the cost of rental space or whatever. Right, right. You split up. It was, it was yeah. awesome. Yeah, um, and I, yeah. Like, yeah, so it was like so doable to the point where, because I don't know if you have this feeling, but it's like every time you make a recording, if you invest, you know, x hundreds of dollars, even you think this is my one shot to make it perfect, and it just scrubs you out even more. Right, and you're like, oh yeah. my god, like, what if I wake up sick that one day? It's like my one shot. So if you're splitting the costs, it makes it like more of like an every other day. You can have another chance because you can afford it. We ended know? up doing two sessions. And yes. Because in the first one, the one aria that I really, really wanted to record, I just like wasn't ready to get get on its feet. We ha- I was able to get a take, and I still haven't listened to that second session. But the ones from the first session. I, I walked out of that room feeling like, all right, I, d- I did the thing. And I, so the other thing was I mentioned earlier that I'm starting a duo ensemble in the new year um, with my pianist and dear friend. And um, I gotta say, it was really scary to have that conversation with him. And I think, like, we're very, very good friends. We're very close. And, like, musically, I, I trust his opinion. Like, he's just, he's just brilliant and a kind person. And, for whatever reason, that made sitting down and talking with him and being like, hey, I have this idea. We did a, re- a casual recital together in the summer, and when we sat down and watched the video, I was just, like, blown away by the, the level of ensemble that we had. Yeah. Like, there was this magical thing that even came through on the video, my shitty, like, laptop video. And so, like, it was really scary. She was like, hey, there's this thing I've been thinking of. You don't need to give me an answer now. Like, would you be interested in maybe doing a thing with me, like, for real? And we can take these programs and, like, tour. At, I was way more vulnerable than I thought it was going to be. And he said yes. yes. It felt like a proposal of marriage somehow. <laughs> <laughs> um, so shy of getting down on one knee. And 
I'm really glad that I did it and I followed through and like now we're gonna follow through and do all the paperwork that's in this year. So awesome. Uh, yeah, so last January I went to Bulgaria to do um, a Johann Strauss operetta and it hadn't been done since 18 something or other. And um, so this was the first chance to do it in our lifetime. And so um, I did that with the Sophia Philharmonic and the Maxos recording we recorded should be coming out in March. Oh my god, amazing! Yeah. Congratulations! So I'm really excited about that. Oh, super excited. I'm yeah. buying it. Good. Do you get royalties? I'm sure I don't. Uh, I'm sure. I'm sure. It's really exciting to actually to be able to say that I will be an actual recording artist on a label. That's amazing. Well, yeah, so that's really exciting. Amazing. What I learned the most recently that I think I've been telling like everybody now is that no matter like what issues stand before you, whether it be like money or getting a job or auditions or anything that stands before you, like especially in this business, but everywhere, especially in America, um, we have this mentality of like work, 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 work. And um, don't look, just keep your head down and like productivity and blah, blah, blah. And like really in the end, like, you know, really all that matters is authentic relationships. All the things that you want to get like are really built on relationships. And I really truly believe that. And that's what this business is all about. That's why we're here. And that's why... Marcel and I do this, and I'm really glad we've got that cup of coffee in front of us. (laughs) (laughs) And really, like, you know, I'm so anti the hustle right now and so pro meeting people and like just connecting. So I'm very happy that you're here and that we are connecting. So 